Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Echo Chamber. Uh, back again this week is Adam Altman. Good evening. And we are still missing Pierce Conway. He's just getting too important with his sports stuff. And as always, I am your host, Russell McBride. Um, can we just clarify? He doesn't play sports. Uh, he's just, he has to organize them. Those who can't do, organize them. That's, is that <laughs> the phrase? That, that's very close. Right. Okay. Okay. So we don't have any follow-up from the previous weeks, uh, but we're going to kind of tackle a difficult topic this week, and it's going to touch on some different ideas in society that I think could fall under kind of the culture war as it's labeled by um, the left and the right. Um, But we're going to talk about Uyghurs, China, and kind of American companies' reactions to all of this that's going on. So just to give you kind of a quick overview, the Uyghurs are a Muslim group in China. And do you remember the province? I don't remember the exact location. I struggled to pronounce the word, A, because I don't want to get canceled like that professor did, but also because I just don't want to offend anyone with my horrible pronunciation. So there is a particular province in China where a lot of the Uyghurs are located. However, China has been cracking down on the Uyghurs as a people group. Over a million Uyghurs have been put into camps of some sort. China is a communist government, so our knowledge of what's going on is limited. Uh, There is evidence from aerial photography, stuff like that, that that we know they're being put in camps. We know they are kind of being blamed for terrorist activities. Um, Early in the 2000s, China's been using that to crack down on them. Um, There's a lot of restrictions that they have. Now, this is true for a lot of people in China, but specifically with the Uyghurs, they have to download an app that allows the Communist Party to track everything about them. They can track who they're talking to, what they're doing, where they're going. Uh, each Uyghur family is assigned a Communist Party representative who drops in on them randomly. They check in on them. They also give gifts to their children um, to kind of uh, continue with this propaganda. Uh, and it would seem from an outsider's perspective, we talked about this in my Holocaust class, that a lot of people would say this is a genocide and maybe of a, of a different type than the Holocaust, but it's a genocide because it seems clear that the, the Communist Party in China would like the Uyghurs to not exist, and they are taking steps towards that. Uh, it might not be mass killings. Uh, at least we, we have knowledge that potentially a lot of Uyghurs are dying, uh, potentially being killed, but not maybe to the same extent. But they are trying to remove this, this group from their country. Yeah, and this is um, like a trend that China has been doing for a long time, that they're trying to control um, the, the culture over there. Uh, and so this, this is manifesting itself um, in the form of persecution against these Muslims, uh, Chinese Muslims, but also with, with, with Christians as well. Any kind of religious group, the Chinese government does not want people... Um, worshiping anything other than the state really is what it comes down to. And so if you go to China, you would probably say that there are churches there, but they're very state-directed and state-led, and they, they edit certain passages. They limit certain church practices. Um, and so that's undeniable. It's undebatable. The Chinese would tell you that uh, they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, but by at least by our Western democratic standards, it's uh, what we would call a violation of a clear violation of our rights. And so, yeah, it's not, we don't really have the evidence yet of any kind of mass killings, like you said, but 
it is something that could, at the very least, you could see it escalate into that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's something, like, I even noticed this in myself, is China goes under the radar so much. Like, we talk about North Korea, and we talk about Cuba, and we talk about Venezuela, and all these countries where, you know, there's crackdowns by the government, and limited freedoms, and limited information, and knowledge. And we don't seem to think about that very much with China. We see them as the place where our computers and our phones are made, and they're a huge economic superpower. And we just don't acknowledge kind of how much their government restricts the freedom of their people. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's just say it, like their propaganda wing is brilliant. Uh, I mean, really, just a brilliant job. And, and I'm not saying that to praise them. I'm just saying very effective. Like I go back to the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And I remember watching that opening ceremony, and even I was just captivated by it. I'm like, wow, China's this modern country, look at them go. And then you find out all the stuff that went on behind the scenes, and you realize that, oh, it's the same old communist country. Right. I mean, they're just very good at it. They, they've made themselves necessary. I mean, isn't that the best way to, like, to stick around is you make yourself useful? And China's been useful, whether it's for labor or in tech or in investment. Yeah. Like, they just... They've, they've figured it out, and it's, they've executed their plan very well. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people, and we're getting a little off topic. We'll, we'll come back in a second, I promise. But a lot of people kind of thought early on, maybe early 2000s, well, you know, China eventually is going to open up more. Their economy is growing, but eventually it's going to hit this ceiling where they need to open up to capitalism. They need to open up freedoms in their society. I feel like what we've seen the past few years is is China still exploding economically, mm -hmm. but they're cracking down more. Hong Kong being a great example, right? They're actually limiting capitalism and the economic freedoms of their people, but they're still growing because we depend on them. I mean, the United States does at least. Yeah, there's some interesting things economically that they're doing. Shout out to a former student, Ben, if he's listening. But uh, like they've been very successful, very innovative in a lot of things. And yeah, I think what they're doing is they're using that economic success as a way to basically convince their people of, hey, we're going to do this, but you're okay with that because we provided you with these, these benefits. Uh, so I think they even are able to use that economic success as a means of carrying out their, their other more nefarious projects. Yeah, so let's, let's get into that. And and uh, I think it's important to note at the beginning, we're going to kind of take the angle or the perspective of how America and American companies are responding to this. Um, but I want you to look up this this Uyghur situation. I'm going to post a BBC article down below. I want you to do your own research. I'll tell you in my Holocaust class, pretty much 100% of the students, after we researched the definition of genocide, the 10 stages of genocide, every single student said, this is a genocide. If you look at the definition, if you look at the information, I think we can say it pretty clearly that way. As always, we want you to go look at the facts. We want you to take a look at the information and decide for yourself. But we're going to kind of approach this as we know it, and we've looked at the information, and that's where we land. Would you say the same thing, Holmans? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I haven't followed it as closely as you have, and of course you have the class that uh, relates perfectly with this. Um, but uh, yeah, generally speaking, I'm on, I'm on the same page, I think. Yeah, so let's let's first start with Disney. Now, I'm going to give you the first situation. So Disney uh, announced, I don't remember when it was, but they announced they'll no longer be filming anything in Georgia. 
Now, the reason was because an abortion law that was passed on the books in Georgia. Okay, so they've said we're not going to film in this state because we disagree with this law. So what are your initial thoughts on that, Olvins? So, again, I, th- I think, so, really we're talking about is corporate activism, right? And this does initiate an eye roll for me. Like, um, of course, as a business, you should be free to determine where you want to do your business. So I don't really have a, a problem with them saying, in Georgia, I don't want to do this because of whatever laws there are. I actually don't have any problem with that. Um, it's more so where we're heading here in the this discussion of, okay, do you really believe that that it's so bad, that law, that you shouldn't film there? Or are you just trying to score points now with a certain uh, demographic? Right. And, and, and here's the question, right? How many people are suddenly going to cancel Disney Plus or not go watch Disney movies because they learned Disney is not filming in Georgia? To me, it, it, it's got to end up being a net positive because I could see more people saying, well, I'm going to watch Disney because they took this stance as opposed to people saying, I'm going to cancel Disney. Yeah. So where this conversation is leading is Mulan came out last week or two weeks ago. We get to the end credits and all of a sudden a bunch of articles start getting written that the end credits of the Mulan Disney film, they have thanked multiple Chinese Communist Party-like companies. They did a lot of their filming in the area of where the Uyghurs are located, and they specifically thanked a communist company that has been a part of a lot of the interning and um, the actions the Chinese Communist Party is taking against the Uyghurs. However, Disney seems to have no problem and no stance against what's going on in China. Yeah, so this is the eye roll, right? It's, okay, you're going to take this stance on Georgia, but then you're going to film this this movie uh, in a region where, as according to the definition you use in class, where genocide is happening, right? And not only are you going to film it there, but you're going to thank those people who are, let's just say it, responsible for it. Right. Right? So to me, Disney, I don't care what your stances are anymore. You, your, your privileges of being on the right side of history are revoked. You're not on the right side of history. You're trying to come down on the right side of your bottom dollar. Right. Right. Uh, and so if they had any integrity, uh, Disney, they would either have to basically admit, yeah, we're not filming in Georgia just because we're trying to score political points, or they have to admit that they made a mistake. And they, have, they haven't come out and said anything about making a mistake doing that. Right? No. As far as I know, presently, as of our filming today, there is no public acknowledgement by Disney. Yeah. So it just, it's just frustrating because there are movements that are going on right now, not just the ones that Disney is involved with in Georgia and, and whatever, but it just delegitimizes them to me. Um, not not delegitimizing the movement. It just takes away from the movements, right? right? Where where real action can be done and real di- dialogue can be done, it just seems like it's just unfortunate that the money and business uh, is is kind of being used to prop up these things that these corporations like Disney aren't really serious. You're not serious about it. Yeah. You know what I think frustrates me more than anything is, is you know, we look at this as a class, and, and as history teachers, right, we understand one of our primary purposes of teaching history and discussing history is, is to learn from the past, right? 
So, okay, let's take Holocaust class, for instance. We're learning about the past. We're trying to understand the stages of genocide. We're trying to understand what happened to create this environment where the Holocaust happened in Germany and what happened to kind of allow the world to get to that point. And, and there's, there was a lot of steps to that. And if we're acknowledging in this class and other people are acknowledging this is happening in China, well, then who has the power to step up and prevent this from happening? And we live in a world with global companies who have global economic power. And it's not to say that governments don't have similar power, but shouldn't we be asking, why is Disney? Why is Apple? Why is Microsoft? Why is fill in the blank doing and saying nothing when they have the economic power to do something about this? So this brings me to the next organization we're going to talk about, and it's the NBA, right? And let me put forward, I, I hope this is not a controversial issue, but I believe if someone wants to be politically active, if someone wants to make statements and stances, if someone wants to kneel during the national anthem, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say it. I think they have the right to do that. Now, if their employer expi- explicitly asks them not to do that and they don't get rehired, well, that is also allowed. Private companies are allowed to do that. We are not allowed to take political stances and campaign for something or a political organization in our jobs. So I would understand that. But in the same token, the NFL and the NBA, they're also allowed to say our players are allowed to be activists. They're allowed to bring it bring it on the court. They're allowed to put Black Lives Matter on their helmets and their jerseys, fill in the blank, etc. But here's the question. We have all of this activism to call out change in America. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but the NBA plays in China and has not said a word about the Uyghurs or the actions of the Communist Party towards their people. Yeah, and so I'm going to reinforce what you just said. Uh, for me personally, you know, with the NBA in the bubble right now, they have you know Black Lives Matter on the court, and all the players have these slogans on the back of the jerseys. That does not bother me one bit. Number one, because I think most Americans are smart enough to understand the, the difference between Black Lives Matter versus the organization, which is a little bit more up for debate, right? So I have no problem with the NBA doing this. Uh, And again, if you do, then you absolutely can stop watching and you can boycott it. And that is also your right. Right. Also very patriotic in the sense of you get to protest uh, that way and have your voice heard. So no problem with that, right? Uh, And and we're going to highlight LeBron James here. And, you know, it's it's just because he's a high-profile figure, the, the de facto, I guess you would say, leader just given his success in the NBA. And so it's great. I will say this without mincing words, it's great that he and uh, others like Chris Paul, um, Kyrie Irving, are, are standing up for what they believe in, in terms of wanting some social justice and some change in the United States. But as you said, the NBA makes a lot of money in China, which in itself is not wrong, right? If you're a business, you're trying to make money, right? But when the Hong Kong stuff was going on and China was cracking down on those protests, and get educated on that if you don't know what that is, and, and now with the Uyghurs, it's just silence. And, and I know what LeBron James is going to tell you is, you know, my name's not written on everything. I don't have a responsibility for, for, you know, doing all the social movements. And I would agree with him except for it's not that you're just um, – not saying anything about it. It's that you are tacitly okay with it and agreeing with it, right? 
And so again, it's that hypocrisy of we want social justice so much that we're going to make sure that everyone knows how big of a deal it is to me. But then when it comes to, well, then why don't you stand up and put your money on the line in China? It doesn't matter that much to you, apparently. Yeah, and you know, this incident happened, I think it was last year, right? It was 2019 when um, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, he basically posted something supporting democracy protests in Hong Kong. And then pretty much the entire NBA, right? Uh, Steve Kerr from the Warriors, King James posted something about it. They pretty much said, hey, we're sorry, China. We love you. They apologize. Yeah. Yes. But it's like, can't we empirically say, like, we support pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong? Right. Why would the NBA say, no, 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 I'm sorry. We shouldn't have said that. We offended China. Exactly. And, and, and so the only reason I would say that they came out and said what they did and apologized for being pro-democracy is money. And that yeah. leads us down to a different discussion. And, and by the way, just so we're clear, uh, we, every single one of us, me and you included, have to consider these things. At, at what point are we willing to take a stand before it starts really hurting us? Right. You know, like, that's a serious question we all need to ask. So I'm criticizing corporate activism because I think they know what they're doing and it's shameful, right? But we, could, we should be self-critical too of like, you know, am I willing to put my paycheck on the line for something that I really believe in? Yeah. Um, so uh, I realize that. Um, but yeah, with Disney and NBA, and, and it, this goes back to our, where we started this conversation, is the brilliant propaganda wing of China has basically said, hey, you want, you want all the money, you want to reap all the benefits, then you're going to have to live with our anti-democratic and uh, violations of human rights. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's, there's a lot of categories that we have not sung the praises on Trump on. But I will say, he has, he has taken some action against China when it specifically comes to the Uyghurs. They've passed some resolutions. He signed a resolution publicly condemning. Now, is it enough action? No. I, yeah, I think I would say no, too. Is it a step, at least? Yeah. Uh, and we talked about this in class. Uh, if you don't know how the UN works... Uh, Oltmans, could you tell me why the UN can't do anything about this? Well, because the U.S. pretty much directs it, but also uh, China has a huge influence over the yeah, U.S. as well. China has a seat at the table, so if the UN yeah. wanted to censure or act act against China, yeah. guess who has to vote for it? That's right. China. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you know, again, going in, in defense of Trump in this particular thing, it's, he got a lot of flack for, you know, he pulled out of the Human Rights Council. Right. Um, and, oh, wow, that's what a Nazi would do. Well, who sits on the Human Rights Council? I'm pretty sure China has a seat there. I'm pretty sure Syria has a seat there. Right. So let's not, let's not get, and I, we should just probably change subjects now, but. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I, we're about to move on, but I just, I, I want to encourage you to research this. I want to encourage you to. Um, stop allowing companies to score political points on behalf of your political beliefs um, and just try to understand, A, try to understand what these companies are doing. They're yeah. trying to take advantage of our, our feelings. Yeah, you're, being, you're a tool. You're a, way, you're a means to an end for them. Yeah. And, and, and if, so if it made sense for them to switch completely their position on this social justice movement, they would do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, watch the situation. Watch the situation, figure out what you can do, and at least have these conversations with your friends, your neighbors, your family. 
let people know about what's going on. And, and hopefully, if we bring enough attention to this in the United States, hopefully our politicians, although they notice, hopefully they'll pay a bit more attention. Um, and, you know, I think there's a couple maybe we should draw attention to. Marco Rubio is one of them who has done a lot of efforts to, to bring um, attention to Hong Kong and the Uyghurs. And in fact, I think he's actually banned from traveling to China now. There's a couple, oh, wow. couple senators and congressmen who are. Um, so there are people doing this work. Um, but figure out how we can partner in that and, and maybe get more knowledge of the situation. Yeah, and just to know what's at stake, China has, has advanced in this manner uh, pretty easily over the decades. And the more we let this kind of go, what's going on there, the worse it gets. Yeah. We, you, we as a nation are, are in a position to where we can take a stand and we can, you know, kind of hold their, their, their feet to the fire, if you will, but um, not if they continue along the line they have been. Uh, so um, I do think that's an issue that uh, voters should be aware of, not for a political, I'm not advocating for a certain candidate, but those are things you want to hear politicians talk about, see where they stand on that. Because uh, I think it's a really serious issue. It, China's China's no small thing. They're not just a, an economic friend. There's a lot more to the story. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I know we had a serious topic today, but you know we we like to have our fun here at the end of the podcast. So uh, Altman's had a discussion topic in his class, and I'll let him bring it up. It, it led us to something else we're going to do, but let's start with this one. Yeah, I would say it was a, a shocking moment for me. You know, we're trying to build relationships on a computer. And so I think it was my fourth period. I had asked the question, Moe's, Qdoba, or Chipotle? And uh, I was just in shock over how many of the students... Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm going to count down, and you say your answer. Okay. Okay, you ready? Three, two, one. Qdoba. Chipotle. Oh, my Qdoba. gosh. What? <laughs> Definitely not Moe's. You can't even say it, right? We should have gone with it. Definitely not Moe's, right? Okay, fair enough. The fair rice enough. is undercooked. The chips are, are they really chips? I don't even know. The food was made before 10 normally, I think. Yeah. I mean, so what is it you like about Chipotle? Uh, Chipotle is always fresh. You can you can literally see them cooking the steak in the background. Okay. I love that cilantro mm-hmm. rice. They introduced cheese dip, which was a hot mess. And then they reintroduced mm-hmm. the white queso, which is... Very good. So yeah. there's no reason to go to Moe's anymore, in my personal opinion. Well, yeah. So I'm, I like Chipotle, other than the Listeria outbreak or whatever it was. <laughs> okay, they have handled <laughs> they have handled that issue. But Qdoba, no Listeria outbreak, so that's a check mark in their column. The queso is free. I will give you that to add on to your burrito. Yeah, I just like their their rice and, and their meat's good. I would say the meat from Chipotle is better. Yes. But yeah. Anyway, but that's not, not how you point. can get steak right now. Right, but for so. It, Hopefully you're not saying Moe's, because that's just... So your class said Moe's? That was like... Most of them. Most of them. Yeah. I I mean, so if I'm going to give Moe's anything, I think it's the double stack or the stack or whatever. Okay, it's like, you know, the the tortilla with the taco shell on the inside with your rice and chicken and queso. It's it's a game changer. It's like $9, and I'm pretty sure over 1,000 calories, but... Yeah, no thanks. If you're going to eat there, it could be worth it. Okay, so we'll, let's continue with this theme. Let, let's let's uh, figure out kind of where we maybe align or misalign. Uh, so let me start. It's Friday night. You're ready for your traditional Mexican restaurant to celebrate the end of the week. What do you order every time? Three, two, one. ACP. ACP. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Absolutely. I've been on an ACP kick lately. 
Yes. I will acknowledge that that is a very stereotypical thing that I order. <laughs> it is not at all Mexican food. But it it is just literally slaps. rice, chicken, and cheese. Yeah. Oh, one, two, three. What does your wife always order? Ready? One, two, three. Tortilla Enchiladas. chicken soup. Oh, what? Are you? <laughs> she wow. doesn't always get that, but that is one of her go-tos. Wow. Okay. All right. Enchiladas. Okay. Do you, do you guys ever split? No, I don't like I don't like corn tortillas. Uh, so we split one time. It worked out okay. I didn't feel as guilty about myself eating five bags of chips and mm. and a meal. But I do eat a lot of chips. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Your your turn. Okay. Um, well, this is an easy one. Beach or mountains? One, two, three. Mountains. mountains. So we got that. So I, I like the two. beach. I'll go to the beach once a year. If I want but to get sand blast, I prefer the mountains. I'm trying to get paint permanently removed from me now that we have children when we leave the beach (laughs) if there's not a pool it's like an hour and a half of like detox from bathing and washing and sand and sweeping and it's it's a lot all right so we're two for two two for two okay uh here's a classic one coke or pepsi three two one root beer root beer absolutely 100 percent. that wasn't even an option it didn't need to be an option i thought you would have known what's better root beer i mean i'm not against root beer but that's okay if you have not had virgil's root beer and you're a root beer fan go check it out it's in your like craft little drink section of the grocery store you're bougie virgil's root beer virgil's special special treat special but those are probably the the root beer if you get like a like a real root beer. It oh, yes. Yeah. It is better than, that's, you know, your A&W. That's what your Virgil's is. Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Three, two, one. Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. Yeah. That is right. Absolutely. Tom Brady. All the haters just right. forget about so it. So here's one. Peyton Manning or Philip Rivers? Oh, my one, gosh. Two, <laughs> I'm not even going to justify Phillip that. Rivers. Peyton Manning. <laughs> no, Philip Rivers is... You NC State fans. Listen, there is no denying... I mean... People do deny it, but if you look at the stats, there's no denying that he's probably the best quarterback this generation's ever seen. Fair enough. on on the topic of uh, On the topic of football, I saw a great tweet last night from the Kansas City game. They're limited to like seventeen thousand fans. Someone posted a picture. I mean, it looks like an empty stadium. Stadium, and they said, "Really crowded night here at the UNC game." <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> really, UNC. really slapping back there. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't even get me started on that one. Um, Anything else? Sweet tea or unsweet tea? One, two, three. Sweet unsweet tea. tea. Oh, my gosh. Who um, are you? Listen, I don't know why. I think this is probably some Chinese propaganda. Why do people think unsweet tea tastes like dirty water? Okay, first of all, I like hot tea. I drink hot no, unsweet tea. I like relaxing at night with a glass of tea. Ooh, why are you water. drinking cold unsweet tea? It's, it's refreshing. Oh, my gosh. Just get water. No, the tea has a flavor to it that I like, uh, that when you put sugar into it, I mean, the sugar is just, is gross. So, I mean, why don't you drink, why don't you just drink water with sugar in it? Why don't you just drink some syrup? Oh my gosh. I, you don't even understand. I, and, and let me, let me explain my bias here. My mom would make a gallon of sweet tea. I'm fairly confident she put four cups of sugar in it. It's definitely a possibility because my wife has got me down to one and a half cups of sugar when we make it, just, which is still too sweet for her. Just go with the unsweet. Make some good sun tea. Mm. I, I I love fruit tea. What? No. I, I will do any kind of sweet tea with some added flavor. I'm I'm all all for it. But you look no like you're almost you ready to agree with tea. me, and then you throw in like more sugar. Like absolutely. Stop. That's the point, right? 
Sweet tea oh. to me is a dessert, right? I'm having it with my barbecue. No. There's some really particular situations where I drink it. I just don't get it. It does not taste good to me at all. God. Where were you? Did you grow up in North Carolina? Well, I'm, I mean, I've been here since 89, so yeah, but I'm from Nebraska originally. They seem like they'd be sweet tea people. No, there, you, there is no, like, I ordered unsweet tea there one time, and they were just like, uh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's the only kind. I will say that was a shocker for me the first time I went up north and asked for a tea, and, and I got a unsweet tea. Yeah, that's the one thing the north did correctly. Uh, oh, and also the, the, the Civil War. The anti-slavery thing. Right. Yeah. So North has a couple things on us. North's done a couple things. Okay. Well, if you guys are curious about more of these things, why don't you just hit us up on Twitter and let us know some more topics you'd like uh, like us to touch on. Hopefully, we'll have Conway back with us next week for those of you who have been missing him. Thanks again, Adam Altman. Okay. Conway in the podcast or not? One, two, three. Not. Not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you, Conway. Adam and I are much too similar to do this alone. (laughs) We need somebody to to yell at us. And and as always, I'm your host, Russell McBride, and that's wraps. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Okay. It should have ended already. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs)